Welcome to Glass Bones Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Burke. Joining me today is my co-host, Kyle Franz. Kyle, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, Matt. Sorry for the late uh, late night for you, but we'll get it done. Oh, it's all right. You know I love being at the rink till 11 o'clock at night. Actually, it's like 11.30, but you know. Now we'll record a podcast till 11.30. <laughs> Hopefully not that late. If we're doing that late, something went wrong. Yeah. Taco Bell <laughs> took too long and I need to be, uh, use the restroom. Uh, yes. All right, so we're going to get started here. We're going to wrap up the Stanley Cup final. So as I'm sure most of you know already, or I would assume all of you know at this point, the Las Vegas Golden Knights have won the Stanley Cup. So Kyle, give me your reaction, your thoughts, all that kind of stuff. First off, it's the Vegas Golden Knights. There's no loss in front of it. <laughs> and um, it, it, everything happened kind of the way I saw it happening. Uh, I just... Florida just, they were done. Their time was up, and the better team won, in my eyes. I just think uh, it, it was, it, honestly, it was probably my least favorite final I've ever watched. It was very boring. In my, It, it was very boring. It, it really was. There was one team that was clearly there, or supposed to be there, and one team that clearly wasn't. And it, other than the fights and the hard hits, there wasn't much there. That last game was so hard to watch. You just knew it was over. Honestly, just from the puck drop, you knew it was over. I think Florida knew it was over. Um, it just sucks. But they uh, got on Florida. Great run. I just think the correct team won. They, uh, they. I just think all around there, this is the better team. And the better team won. And good, good for them. Good for Vegas. What a season. They really didn't have... I don't think anybody really picked them to win at the beginning of the season. I mean, everyone kind of had them bubble playoff team, I think. Uh, I mean, per- me personally, I didn't even have them in the playoffs. So I'm pumped for them because I had St. Louis in the playoffs. Thanks, Jordan Bennington. But uh, <laughs> no, but they're a great team. I just had questions up and down their lineup of who was going to step up, and everybody did. So good for them. Good for Aiden Hill. What a playoff run for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I I obviously had picked, well, if you listen back, I had picked Florida to win because I thought that they were going to, and I was clearly very wrong. Because, yeah, that that was besides game three. Yeah, three. That was, and game three was great. That was a fun game <laughs> to watch. Other than that, they were all just terrible. I mean, I fell asleep game five. And I didn't really care. I was, at that point, I think when I fell asleep, it was 6-2 to two or 6-3, to three, whatever it was. And I was like, this, it didn't matter. The game was over. I mean, once once Vegas scored two goals, it was like, well, once Bennett turned that terrible turnover and Stone came down and scored shorthanded, it was like, yep, this is over. Because Vegas had the lead. And then there was no need to push. There was no need to make anything happen. And then once they got their second goal, it was like, yep, it's over. Completely over. But, yeah, I mean, congratulations to them. I think that They've done a lot of work to get here, and I certainly think that they've made some risky moves, and they've paid off. And, I mean, acquiring Eiffel was scary, I think, to pay what they paid for him, to have him undergo surgery that's not, you're not sure what's going to happen with it, and it paid great dividends for them. So, I really liked what Vegas brought, and I think that they're going to be a team that, I mean, they're not losing a terrible amount this offseason, and although... I think their biggest question is going to be who's their goalie next year because 
I would imagine they're going to want to retain Hill, but they still have Thompson, and they also still have Leonard Williams. So, and I don't know what Leonard's doing, but, um, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting summer for them, but it doesn't matter because they won the cup. And I just, it's great, and I think Florida just ran out of gas. Like, I don't think it's necessarily that they played that much better of a team. Like, I definitely think Vegas was the better team. I think it was a combination of all of the stuff that they had done that whole this whole run did not work. So the Matthew Kachuk syndrome did not matter at all in the sense of he wasn't in anybody's head. Ryan Lomberg, Gudis, that stuff wasn't affecting anybody on Vegas' side. And that paid off for them, and they just kept their head. And I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Florida because – was it Mark Stone that made the comment, or William Carlson, I forget which one of them, about this Florida team was them two years ago, where they were just kind of happy to be here, and versus Vegas was like, we're going to win this. coming. I, I'm interested to see if that's not going to be the case with Florida in a couple of years. So, and, I mean, you look at Florida, they have a couple of free agents to retain, but not a lot. Same, same thing. So, I think that that's a good sign for them as well. I really like the series, and, I mean, I love, I love seeing Alec Martinez score that goal. And it's like, he's the guy that so often goes unrecognized because he's just back there blocking shots, killing penalties, eating up time, and you just don't notice him. And then he comes down and scores that goal. And I know that some people are going to be like, oh, Bobrovsky should have saved it, whatever. But it was a great shot. And for a defensive defenseman to do that, and, I mean, he's been such a big part of all the cups, the three cups that he's won. I love seeing that from a defensive defenseman who's, He's going to go down, and, and nobody's really going to remember him, but he was so important to those teams. So it was really cool to see him score at the end of that game and kind of throw his name back out there. Like, hey, remember me. I'm still here. I still know how to win. Yeah, I love Alec Martinez. I was going to actually bring him up just to say, like, I was so pumped. I actually, like, I'm not going to lie, I actually went, like, jumped off of my chair a little bit when he scored. Just like, yes, like, just – it's so cool to see a guy like that step into the play like that and just put a perfect shot on. I don't care. Bob also just faced it. I think they were in the zone for over a minute and 45 seconds, cleared it out, terrible line change, which led to that goal. So, yeah, that's not on Bob. Like, that's that, not, nothing. None of this is on Bob at all. Like, the, the team, the, the, I, I hear what you're saying, but part of me disagrees to a point because, honestly, I just don't think Florida belonged there. And I, I really do. I just don't think they were ready for that yet. I, I really don't. I don't. I can't explain what happened. I mean, the Boston series. I'm, I mean, I guess I'm the salty Bruins fan, so I, I don't want to come across that way. But like, they won by a goal. They didn't sweep them. Like, relax. They, they, and well earned. But they, it's not like they went out and just destroyed them. Then destroyed um, Toronto, and that well, they kind of did. But then. Just, they didn't destroy Carolina just because it was a sweep. They didn't destroy them. Every goal was a one-goal game. Could have easily went the other way. I just don't think they were ready for that quite yet. I think Gudis played way out of his over his head for three series, and he really showed in that cup final. He turned the puck over so many times. Um, even in game, uh, oh, game four, there was a turnover that was like, it was when they were pushing at the end. There was like three minutes left in the game. Florida was all that that was the only period Florida really dominated all series and 
he turned the puck over, which led to about a minute and a half of offensive zone time with like three, like I think it was four minutes left. It ended up being like two thirty after it was done. And I was just like, that all started because you tried to clear the puck up the middle, which is what Gudis does all the time. So like he wasn't doing that, which was good. Like, but I, I just think a lot of players played over their heads. And I think Florida has a lot more work to do this offseason because they could be that team that, you know, has a miracle run. They're depending on Kachuk to score all these points again, which I think he's very capable of. But there's a lot of things they're depending on. They had a really bad season. I think people forget that. Mm-hmm. They really underachieved all year, barely snuck in. We and you have mentioned it how many times. If Pittsburgh beat Chicago, they're not even in it. Yeah. So I just don't think they were quite ready for that. Um, but, again, I've always been very opinionated on underdogs mm-hmm. winning because – I like to see the best teams going at it. They earn it. Nobody, I'm not denying that they don't earn those wins. That's why you play the games, which is awesome. But I keep, I, I've heard a couple of people today. I was listening to a couple of podcasts and they were saying like these playoffs were great in the first round and it was boring after. And it really was like there really wasn't many. But that's what happens when Seattle beats Colorado, when Florida beats Boston, when Jersey beats the Rangers. Like teams that probably shouldn't have won found a way to win. It's usually what happens because now Florida kept winning somehow, <laughs> but I don't know. That's just any, honestly, even Toronto beating Tampa, like Tampa should have been in that second round. That second round should have been, I say should have, would have been very exciting if it was like Boston, Tampa. Like yeah. that's, that's a playoff atmosphere. Like that's what people want. So again, Good on them. I'm not discrediting them one bit. It sounds like I am. They had a great run, which is awesome. But they just ran into a train that they were not expecting. So, well, it was a team they haven't played this this postseason. No, like nobody they played this postseason was that good. No, because as much as yeah, they beat Boston, which is the best regular season team. Okay, Boston choked, and they didn't play nearly as good as they should have. And quite frankly, I mean. I hate to throw a goal into the bus, but it is what it is. If Olmark doesn't waste that puck, that series, I mean, more than, I don't know that, that like, Florida still could have scored. I'm not going to say that they couldn't have still scored that game and won and then done what they did, but I think a goof up like that, and it's also one that I think even if, if they score, like, for Hagee's goal in game seven in overtime, I think if they scored that goal to win that game, Boston still wins. <laughs> but it's because that goal was so bad, Olmark is now shaking. Well, it led it led to seven goals against in Game Six. Yes. That's that's what you're trying to say. I think like you can't make that play because that leads to that leads to your next game having zero confidence. So, yes. but yeah, I'll let you keep going. Sorry. Yeah, well, but that but that's it. I mean, that's that's the point. So yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see yeah what what ends up being because I also feel like part of the reason they had such a bad season was they didn't have Knight and they should have him next year. And then also, I think Bobrovsky found his rhythm again because he was not in his rhythm. So I'm interested to see how that's going to change things as far as moving forward for Florida. But and I agree, I would say that the only exception to the well, after the first series, after the first round, it was boring. Was I still like the Dallas and Vegas series? I think that that was two very good teams playing each other, and that one was fun to watch. I would say that that's my only like, caveat on that one. It's just like, hey that was still a good series to watch, and that was still fun to watch, but I would agree. And, and it's also, I mean, yeah, Tampa and 
Boston would have been a much more fun series to watch than Toronto, who didn't belong to be there. They just got lucky, quite frankly, because and I'm just, sorry, they didn't get lucky. Vasilevsky did not play. Vasilevsky played like Bob in normal Bob circumstances, which we haven't seen from Vasilevsky yet. So, you know, and I think that all the cup runs and all the playoff runs, all that stuff, just they were just exhausted and they just needed a break, and it just kind of wore off on them. And also not the not having Ryan McDonough. I think it's underestimated how much of an impact that had. And, you know, it's something that, not to switch over too far on this, but something that I, I look at and go, that's the person that, which I'm interested to see what Nashville's going to end up doing, if they're going to start going into a rebuild now or if they're going to try and retool and go back in. But if they decide to rebuild, McDonough should be, if, you're, if they're trying to, you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, you should be calling Nashville about McDonough. What can we do to get him off your hands? And especially if you can convince them to take salary, keep salary, and it costs you a prospect, it's worth it because he's so valuable to you. And while he's definitely justifies his six and a half, six point seven five, whatever it is, uh, cap it. If you can get him for less than that, it's huge. And he's exactly what a team like Toronto or Edmonton or even Dallas, I'd say, was missing because, and some of that was Suter didn't play very well, which hurt them a lot because he's supposed to be that guy and he just didn't play very well. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's it was a disappointing end to the postseason in the sense of the games were so bad and that was frustrating because it's just, it was when Tampa beat Montreal. I was just like, Bleh. like I don't even need to watch these games are so bad. And that's kind of how it was and that sucked because it was just like, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my thoughts. I have a, well, I think, do you have anything else before I, I want to jump on on something about this, but I don't want to, do you have anything? Uh, uh, yeah, I have one more thing I wanted to bring up, but you can start because it might be the same. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the injuries. Oh, okay. So, it's not. So go ahead. So, it's been a release at this point. So, Judas played with a high ankle sprain. Ekblad played with Two separated shoulders, and what was the other one? Broken foot. Yeah, broken foot. And then Matthew Kachuk broke his sternum and had four dislocated ribs. I'm gonna talk about some Warriors. I just I want to throw that out there because I just think it's so impressive. And I don't know that we know on the Vegas side if anybody was hurt. I don't think I've seen anything. No, come I don't out think yet. they announced anything yet. Yeah, so I'm interested to see because I forget who. Somebody in the pictures I was looking at, they had their fingers taped, and I wondered if one of their fingers was broken. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm sure there's a list over there. There always is. Yeah. But, yeah, that is insane, the injuries that those guys played through. Uh, I, 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 it is kind of one of my favorite things at the end is just to hear, because it is it's just like admirable to hear the stuff that they play through just for our entertainment. It's pretty cool. Uh I, I, I remember when Ekblad went down, I don't know how he even came back. It was in the first round. Apparently all those injuries were in the first round, oh, is what Maurice said. And he played literally three rounds through it all. So, yeah, that's impressive. I mean, it, the, the crazy thing is, is he didn't stick out to me. He was probably their best player in the cup final, honestly. But I've always been a big Ekblad fan. always think he's a very underappreciated defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, good on him. That's crazy. I mean... Kachuk, apparently, I guess he played game three, 
So I'm assuming it was from the call star hit. I'm yeah. assuming is what caused that. Uh, so that, that's crazy that he was even able to play and he ended up tying it up and gave him the only win, really. So yeah. good on him. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's just wild to me. I, I can't. As somebody who's broken my my foot, it's the thought of skating with a broken leg. Like I I wouldn't have even tried, much less done it. That's just insane to me. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so what's what do you have? A uh, couple quick things. Uh, I just wanted to bring up Bruce Cassidy because I'm pumped. This I was so pumped to see him lift the cup. Yeah. Uh, just being a Bruins fan and seeing him go out there, I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, I am tired of reading all the articles that they made the wrong move by firing him because I'll put money on it right now. He will not be the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights in six years like he was in Boston. He's the type of coach that he's going to last four to six years and because he does demand a lot. He is, but he is a great, great coach, and I was so pumped to see him win because he's one of the best interviewers. If you never heard him, listen to him. He's awesome to listen to talk. He knows so much about the game. I love everything about him. But, I mean, I'll, I'll get to this in, when we discuss the uh, Atlantic and everything, but the Bruins had the greatest season ever. Like, how are we going to, because of seven games, we're going to completely change our minds. Like, be patient. Next year, they could be lifting the cup, and we'd have this discussion, like, okay, it was the right move. I, just be patient. It, it's it's okay. It wasn't surprising that he went to this team and took it over. They are, every player on that roster is a Bruce Cassidy type of hockey player. It wasn't, it's not surprising to me. So, good on him. I, I mean, I, I'm just curious to see what, if you have any opinions on that. Not really. Okay. I think I love seeing coaches voice cups, and I think that he definitely deserved it. I think he had Vegas playing a system that just was unbeatable, and and I don't, I haven't watched enough of him his coaching style to know like and say, oh, he demands a lot because I don't, I don't watch enough of his stuff to know. But I know that you know, and I trust you. So. He just he just demands what every coach should. He's not like he's not like a. Tortorella type where he's going to bench you and hate you and scream at you like he's just he just wants you to do your job and do it right but he wants to play the defensive structure he wants to play the box in the D zone he wants to make sure nobody gets in the slot so you're going to sacrifice some goals when you do that so you got to take you got to do that stuff he's just a great coach that fit well on a very good hockey team so I just I just can't stand reading I, I mean, I got to just stop, but I can't stand reading like articles and stuff like, oh, the Bruins would have won the cup if he would be their coach. Like they probably, they wouldn't have had that season if he was their coach. Like it, it it's, but whatever. I, that's just annoying to me. Just, I was just, I was personally just super pumped to see him win because I thought it was awesome. Um, one other quick thing and then we can move on. But I wanted to bring up, uh, I was listening to John Scott's podcast today and they had a discussion which I thought was really interesting. I wanted to hear what you had to think. They played like a game like Hall of Fame, like yes or no. Okay. Alex Petrangelo. Yes. Yep, that's my first reaction is yes, because he's won, If I'm, this is all off the top of my head, but like he won World Junior Gold. He's won a gold medal at the Olympics. He's won a gold medal at the World Championships. He now has two Stanley Cups. He has, in like 960-something games so far, he has like almost 500 points. They were saying 
the only reason he wouldn't be is because he's never won a Norris. But that's not, in my opinion, that's not him. That's terrible voting. And I don't, I don't judge awards. Eric Carlson has two, probably about to have three. P.K. Subban has two. Those guys are not the best defensemen in the NHL. So Alex Petrangelo has been probably top five, if not top three, best defenseman in hockey for eight years, ten years. Honestly, he's been amazing for so long now. So I have I, I said yes right away. If if that's your argument back, I mean I guess the other reason they said he, he said yes at first, then changed his mind, said no. But I think it's be, he said because the comps that have been inducted is hard. The only one he came close to was Sergei Zubov. Other than that, it was like Nick Lindstrom was the last defenseman besides Zubov to go in. He's like, well, is he Nick Lindstrom? No. It's like, okay, I could see that, but I would put him in. Especially maybe, it might not be like first ballot, but he'll eventually get in for sure. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. I don't know that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but to me, I think you can, the other aspect you can look at is look at St. Louis's defensive core once he was out. And look at how horrible they've been since he left. The effect he's had on that locker room and not being there. And then he comes to a Vegas team, which, I mean, they've been good defensively, but were never, like, top tier. And, I mean, it took him a little bit to get in and get you know get it figured out, but I think that that speaks to it. It's He's the type of defenseman that's, um, to me, the example of it is Nick Letty and the Islanders, you saw that when he when they traded him. Yeah. Yeah. They traded him from to Detroit. You saw it at, in the Islanders locker room. And on the ice, the effect he had. Matt Niskanen, you could see that even with Washington's defensive core, and then in, especially in Philly's defensive core. I mean, look at what he got Proveroff to do. And now Proveroff has not been nearly as good since then. Those are guys that are their leaders and their guys in the locker room, and that means so much. And that's something that it's really hard to value that because it's not a analytics thing. It's not something you can look at and say, "Oh, it has this effect, and it gets this point zero oh whatever of this particular thing better." You can't look at that stuff, but it's such an important piece, and it's something that it's it's. To me, it's not really much of an argument that he gets there because you can look at those things. You can look at he's won everywhere he's gone. You can look at the numbers he puts up. And also just the eye test, too. You watch him. He's not out there. He's making very little mistakes. Quite frankly, I've watched, I think, almost all of Vegas's round two. Maybe it was like halfway through the second round forward. I've watched pretty much every game. And I can't think of one example where it was like, like you're talking about Judas, the, the right in the middle turnover, which quite frankly, most defensemen have. It, it happens, especially if you watch enough games, they're going to do it because you, you either you whip on a puck or whatever. I don't have an example of that with him at all. And I think that that is, it's the, the, the Alex Martinez thing, but just he can do more and he can also do stuff with the puck too. And that's the other thing too, is he doesn't put up a ton of points, but and that's, that's the problem with Norris to me, is Norris is all about how many points you have. And I think that that's the dumbest metric for a defenseman ever because it's meaningless. It doesn't matter. Eric Carlson put up 101 points this year, and he was still, what, negative 35 or something like that? Mm-hmm. 
that shouldn't happen. Now, I know that some of that was coming from, he got to a certain point where it was, I'm chasing a, I'm chasing a record here. I'm chasing, I want to get to 100 points. I want to, I want to push it. So I'm going to take a lot more risk. And San Jose was like, cool, because that means we lose more games. And we're cool with that. So it kind of worked out well for them. But it's just, to me, I think that that's something that, that's the reason that, like, P.K. Subban has, has Norris and Shea Weber does not. And I think that that is so stupid because Shea Weber, I think, I mean, maybe, maybe there's some people, but to me, nine out of ten people are taking Shea Weber over P.K. Subban. And yet, it's like, that doesn't, how does that happen? So, Anyway, I don't want to go on and on and on and on about this, but that's that is what I think. I think yes, maybe not first ballot. I could see him getting in first ballot, but I don't think he's a guarantee. Well, the other thing to consider is he's still got how many more years left. I mean, that those numbers are just going to go up. He, I mean, frankly, he's probably going to win another championship in my eyes, like because he's so perfect. Like he's such a perfect defenseman. So whatever team he's on, he's going to give them a chance to win. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I said yes. I still say yes. I still think there's, there's not a chance he's not going to get in because I really think he is. I mean, right now there's an argument to say he is the best defenseman in the NHL. There is an argument right now today. Yeah, I, I just I was curious to see what you had to say about that because I, I, I mean, I've always loved his, I loved his game forever. So I'm pumped to see him keep winning. Because I would love to see that one day. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I got on this on that. So if you want to move on, we're good. All right, let's move on then. Congratulations, Vegas Golden Knights. It was cool to see you win. So congratulations. So we're gonna move on to some quick hitters around the league, some updates and stuff going on, some hirings, signings, trade or two, potentially. Who knows what that is? We'll see. So. Up first, let's go. Let's do Ryan Huska getting hired by Calgary. Anything on that one? It's very similar to uh, the guy that we keep forgetting his name in Anaheim. Right, Cronin. In Cronin. I think it's. I, I think that's what it is. But... Oh my goodness, I'm tired. We're, um, we're human. It's yeah, fine. Uh, it's very similar to that one. I I don't really know much about him. We'll just wait and see. Sounds sounds like he like he's worked with Daryl Sutter for a couple years, and I'm sure maybe he'll just bring more of a a modern Daryl Sutter to the table, which probably really good for the team if he wants to play any sort of defensive structure and stuff. So yeah, I I don't really have much more to say about him. Yeah, I I. He's only on the NHL side. He's only been the assistant with Calgary, and now he's their head coach. So there's not much to really judge off of. There's not much to say. Oh well, with this team, he did this, and he struggled with that, right. that kind of stuff. So I like to see the promotion from the assistant coach to the head coach. And I and I've said this when we talked about the other hirings and stuff. I like to see teams go for newer people instead of just recycling all the same old coaches over and over and over and over again. And that's something that I like to see because I don't like to see some of these teams, some of these guys that just bounce around. And to me, it's why not give? Okay, he has a resume of all these teams that he's coached, but he's never done anything impressive with them. Why not just go with the, the new guy? Um, I thought, and 
I know that there's some stuff that you're looking for certain things. Like I know if you're, I mean, I'm not quite sure what Fletcher was doing with Tortorello. I think that he was thinking Tortorello would get them back in the playoffs because he does magic with underperforming teams, but they had no help and it just didn't. And Fletcher doesn't know how to make a roster. And so that didn't just didn't work. But to me, it's like one of those things where I can understand if you're going like, I, under, I understood the hiring of Bruce Boudreaux in Vancouver and then firing him and hiring Rick Tockett. I understand what they were going for and the differences there that they were looking for. But I like seeing teams go, you know what? You've been an assistant in our organization or you were our head coach in our AHL team. You have experience with a bunch of these kids that are on our team. Let's bring you up. You did well with them there. Let's bring you up kind of thing. So that's kind of my thought on him. We'll move over to Laviolette in the rain, with the Rangers now. So I'll hit this one first. So, I mean, I love Laviolette. I think he's one of the best coaches that you can hire. So I'm interested to see how this will, this will work for the Rangers because I'm not sure that I agree with the firing of Gallant. I don't know that it was really deserved because I think that some of it was on Drury and how he's mismanaged the pieces. And, you know, it's, it's hard because I think that there's so much pressure on Lafreniere and yet he missed two years of development in some ways because maybe even more because of COVID and everything that happened. And I want to be, I want to be graceful to him because I do think that there's a good player there that just hasn't been unlocked yet. But I also feel like, unfortunately, you're getting to the place where you're going to have, he needs a change of scenery. And I don't know that you can get real value for him with that. And that makes it really hard. So I'm interested to see if Laviolette doesn't come in and maybe, maybe he can get through the mix. I also feel like Drury needs to not block him and say, no, we are running with you as one of our top six wingers. You are going to play in the top six. We're going to give you 50 games or whatever. We're going to give you to the deadline and you have to figure it out. And if you don't have it figured out by the deadline, yeah, we're going to bring somebody else in. Okay, I think that's fair. But give them those 50-ish games and say, here, do this. And I think that that's something that I think Lavulette will do. And he's also somebody that's really good about getting offense out of teams. Like, you look what he did with Forsberg and Nashville. And it's like, okay. And I mean, I certainly felt like Forsberg was a good offensive guy, but he was never, he wasn't a 45-goal dude. And then Lavulette's like, nope, we're going to make this work. And so... I'm excited for the Rangers. I think that he's a good hiring. I'm interested to see what pieces they're going to give him because they have a lot of pieces coming off and you know stuff they got to move and some draft picks and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's kind of my my two cents on Lavelle hiring. I completely agree about the Gallant one. The only thing I'll say is he um, apparently somehow he always gets fired earlier than you would expect him to. Yeah, I mean he's got to be just like. He's got him. He's got to butt heads with management like all the time. There's yeah. no way because he's such a good coach. Every team he coaches succeeds. So it's weird that, but every single team he's coached, Florida, Vegas, and now uh, the Rangers, he coached great for two to three years and then gets fired randomly out of the blue. So I, yeah, he, I don't understand it either. But it happened, and I feel like they got the best replacement they could have. I completely agree with the Lafreniere take because I think Laviolette's going to make him and Kako hit that level that we haven't seen yet because you see it in them. 
for sure. You see it in both of them. And Heedle kind of took off this year, but I think I think for sure he's gonna he's gonna get those two guys to be what we've kind of expected them to be. But at the same time, I don't blame either of them because any any kid that was drafted in those years gets a free pass for five years, in my opinion, because it's just not fair. So they, uh, I, I really think he's a top six winger for sure. And let's see if Lavi can make him that. And I agree if they give him 50 games, I, I really, I really truly think he is going to take off. I really do. Yeah, I love, love, love the hire. I'm pumped. I always, I always say Peter Laviolette and John Taroa are the, the NHL's better when they're coaching. I really do. I just love both those guys. I love to see them in the league and uh, keep moving up the American wins list because I love to see that. Oh yeah, absolutely. How can you not? Great. All right. So there's a couple other management positions. So, I think we'll we'll just hit two of them at the same time, and then so we'll move to Jerome McGinley gets hired in Calgary as a special advisor, and Shane Doan in Toronto also as a special advisor to the GM. So, what are your thoughts on those two hirings? I I don't really know what to say because I don't really know what their roles. Are. I didn't really, really look. I've never heard anyone actually get hired at that role. So <laughs> I don't really have much to say about it. I mean, we know how great of players they were and how great locker room guys they were. So you got to assume they know what they're talking about. I think it's cool to see Jerome McGinley going to where he belongs. Once again, we talked about Arizona last week. I don't know what those guys are doing. I don't know why he's not there. Why he had to go to Toronto makes no sense to me whatsoever. But, uh, I'm glad this – I like to see those guys in the NHL. They're kind of like the coaches I just named. Like, they were great guys when they played. Loved watching them play hockey. They were great pros. And let's see what they can do in the management side. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to add to that other than I wonder if Aginla is this season's version of Danny Breer, where they're bringing him in as kind of the – we're training you to eventually take the position. I don't know what Doan's position will be. I'm also interested to see, yeah, why the guy who only ever played for Phoenix is not working for Phoenix. It's strange to me. Which is he from Toronto? You know, I truly have no idea. Okay, because that's the only thing I'm wondering about is if he's from Toronto and if he moved back there after he, after his career was done, his kids graduated, stuff like that. I'm wondering if maybe that's why, but I don't know. So. Yeah, I don't have too much else to say on that other than I wish the best for both of those two. I love those guys, so I think it's really cool to see them in a playing or in a I'm sorry in a managing position because it'll be interesting to see if we don't see the two of them as GMs in you know six, seven, ten years, something like that. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, he was not born in Toronto, so there's no connection. He was born in somewhere in Alberta. I can't get the page to load, but I saw Alberta somewhere. Okay. Who knows? Is what it is. And then the other two that we have, we have Patrick Sharp and John Claire going to Philly. So, ah, crap. Let me see. Forget what the exact titles are. No, one of them's the assistant to. Sorry, the 
same thing. Special advisor, which is also an issue for me because I don't understand what special advisor of hockey operations means. And it kind of drives me crazy that they give these titles out. And it's like, what does that mean? Like, are you the assistant? Are you the assistant to the assistant? Are you Dwight? Or <laughs> not? So, but I also, I think that I like, I like the fact that they're you know, kind of, so kind of going off of, um, there, there was an interview that Jonesy did that you had sent to me, which um, it was uh, Anthony Gargano. That I Gargano. Gargano. Yeah. He interviewed Jonesy, and so if you haven't listened to that, you should absolutely listen to that. I'll see if I can throw the link in the show notes for you guys. But it was a great, great interview, and he talked about kind of like people that are understanding the city, and like understanding what Philly's fans need. And so I think it's cool that he went, they went and hired Leclerc and they hired Sharp, who aren't the old Philly guys that are the Paul Holmgren style, but they went and they hired people who have been in Philly, but I wouldn't say are Philly. And I mean, Sharp has been as a announcer. No, what was he? Announcer? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I get those roles mixed up. He actually did both. He was analyst and announcer. So he did both. Okay. Which is even better because he's, as as Jonesy talks about in that interview, he talks about how how that's helped him. Like it gives connections and stuff like that. It also, you view it from a different side when you're looking at it and, and talking about it and stuff like that. And you're not just like looking at a specific team. You're kind of, you're, I mean, you are in some sense because you're working for a team, but you're watching all the other teams come through and you get to look at them and evaluate and see different things. So I really like the hirings for them. I think that it was cool that they kind of went, you know what, we're going to bring some old Philly guys back, but we're not going to bring the old type back. We're going to bring in new blood, guys that have similar mindsets to what Danny and Jonesy are looking for. And I think that that was, that was cool. I think those were good hires. Yeah, I think so too. I, it, the more they bring in, the better. I mean, honestly, I think Philly's really heading the way I would like to see them go. So keep going. Uh, Again, those titles, similar to Don and Aginla, they kind of mean nothing to us right now, but just to see them getting involved in the management side is pretty cool, and we'll see where that leads in the future. Uh, but that interview with Jonesy, yeah, I highly recommend that to anybody that hasn't listened to it because you're going to learn a lot about what he wants to do with this team, and it's it's just very interesting. And Anthony Gargano has been on the Philadelphia sports radio for, I don't know, 30 something years. So like, he's like, he's very experienced and just hearing what he had to say about it too. It was really cool. So, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So get something for Philly fans to be excited about since they haven't, we haven't had a lot to be. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's where I'm at with it. Cause there hasn't been anything to cheer about. I mean, we both grew up in this area and, you know, just for the most part, but we were all in this area a long time. And the the love for the Flyers is, like, crazy around here. And the feel for it, like, nobody even cares anymore. It's mm-hmm. so embarrassed. They're so embarrassed to even claim that they're a Flyers fan. So that's what's exciting about Jonesy and Briere, what they're going to bring, because 
I think they're going to bring that back. There's no doubt they're going to bring that back, especially with Torts as the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's exciting. Uh, something to look forward to, which is great. So we're moving on to, we have a couple signings and some trades. So we'll hit the, the quick one real quick. So Frederick Olson, he gets traded from Dallas to, over to Colorado for nothing, uh, future considerations. So, and then he proceeds to sign a one-year contract for 775k. So, not a lot there. I really have nothing on that other than I think that Colorado is looking for cheap options on their wings right now, and he seemed like a good option for that. That's really all I, I got. I don't, I don't know what his exact numbers were, but every time I saw him play this year, he looked like a good depth player. So, good pickup from Colorado, and there's an opening for him to go play there. So, that's good. That's a good pickup in my eyes. Yeah. Especially when you take literally nothing from him, right? So, moving over, we'll take the real quick the signing before we do the signing and trade. So we have Jesper Bratt signing in Jersey. He has an eight-year contract at seven point eight seven five a year. So, to me, that is pricey for him. I'm not sure that I like this deal for for New Jersey because they're tied to him for a long time. And I'm not sure what exactly they have in him yet. He's been pretty good for the most part, but then he literally did not show up in the playoffs. And that is a huge red flag for me. Because I don't, I hate seeing that from players where it's not that, like the first year that Matthews was in the playoffs, it was just, he just got dogged. Like there was just two guys on him at all times. And it was just like, there's nothing he could have done. That wasn't the case with Brad. He was just not there. Like he just didn't seem engaged, and that's concerning to me. And then to give him eight years at over seven and a half million is a lot. But I get what they're. I mean, they they need scoring wingers. I just think it may have been that may look really bad in about three years when they're well when Luke Hughes needs a new contract and they're trying to figure out where they're going to put him. Yeah, that's my thoughts. Right now, the Devils are in a good position with the salary cap because they don't have much signed right now. But I'm looking at it, and I see Jack Hughes at 8, Nico Heischer at 7.25, Andre Pallott at 6, Dougie Hamilton at 9. That's a lot of big contracts. And I think, I don't know if you had that on your list, but I think I saw earlier that Timo Meyer is going to go to arbitration because they're gonna, they're gonna try to work out a deal, so you gotta assume Timo Meyer is gonna get upwards towards ten. Yeah. There's just a lot of big contracts on the top of that lineup. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Brat was a guy you could have moved and gotten a lot of value in return, but they did it. So I look at their lineup now and go for the next eight years you're gonna see a lot of the same i really feel like they needed to upgrade somewhere in their top six and it's just not gonna happen anymore so i don't want to like knock it too much because he had a great season but i completely agree there just wasn't enough in the playoffs and they're not a very big team and i don't like to use that like all the time, but I feel like size still does matter in the league, and 
there's just there's not much there, especially in the top six. You got a lot of speed and skill. I would have much rather seen them use that money to bring in some bigger some a bigger winger to take his place. And I feel like you could have traded him, gotten a boatload in return because somebody would have given up a whole bunch for him. Even for his rights, they would have given up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and like like you said, Luke Hughes is going to be uh, wanting a contract in two years. And I don't know. I, I, it really just comes down to the salary cap for how many players they already have signed for a team that has won one playoff series in the last 10 years. So, I mean, I love the Devils. And Dawson Mercer is an RFA next year. He's going to want a, an upgrade for sure. I don't know. There's just a lot of players that are going to be signed to eight, seven, eight-year deals at a decent amount of money. So, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I, I don't, I don't want to knock it because he's a great player. You don't want to just lose guys like that. But it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. It is. It really is. And that's that to me is the thing. I think that they should have moved on from him because yeah, the sizing matters. Like it, it does. And it's funny because it's like I don't think he's available, but. Literally, I was waiting for you to get done. That's who I was about to say. Like you could literally trade him to Washington. Washington probably would have done it. Yeah, and made made that work somehow, some way, and bring Tom Wilson in for a much cheaper option than go get someone else too. But anyway, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Well, no, it's that's to me. Well, it's I'm interested to see if he's available. The other person that I'd be interested to have to get salary attention would be Josh Anderson. I think he's another person that now. I think that Wilson is somebody he can play in your top six, no problem. I don't know that Anderson can. I also don't know if I don't know what he has to offer at this point because he's really, I mean, he's just not been very good in Montreal, and that contract just goes crazy. So, but still, it's it's something that yeah, they need they need a because looking at their forward their forward group, there's nobody in that. I mean. They're probably losing Miles Wood. He was their only one, and he, of course, he was not good. So I suppose he's, he just he looked bad. So that's not helping his case. But there's nobody in the on that front end that's like, yeah, that's who I went out there up and beat. Like there's there's no. It's not like a Ryan Reeves. It's more a Keegan Colasar or even a Nick Waugh. Like, and not that Nick Waugh is this, you know, um, just somebody that's gonna come out here and crush you. Kill you, but he's gonna check you. He's gonna he's gonna punish you. They don't have that. They don't have a Ryan Lomberg. So somebody that you know, or even like a, I mean, Sam Bennett is, is like the the smaller version of what that can be. That can look like. And looking at like okay, you have Jack Hughes, you have Jesper Bratt, you have Nico Heischer, Pulat, Mercer, and Timo Meyer. Like that's your top six. None of them are big. None of them are grindy and that style of play, and I just think that that money should have been spent there instead. And, yeah, they need they need an upgrade on their top six. They really do. And, you know, not to – we'll talk about this when we break down the, the top half of the Metro, Metro Division, but that's something that they should have done. So, yeah, anyway, we can beat this horse dead, but – it's one of those things where, to me, I don't think it was a good contract for them to sign. And it's one that I think I wouldn't be surprised if next year, next offseason, they're looking to trade Plot because they can't afford him. And I don't, I would rather have Plot. I, I just would. And he's much more affordable. He's on a shorter contract. 
stuff like that. I just don't think it was it was the best move. But I just I see a lot of Toronto in this. Now those guys yeah. took bigger contracts, but I see a lot in that though. Just guys that haven't they, they, they just they haven't won. They haven't done anything. And they're already getting all these contracts. You can't add after that. You can't make your team better after that. You gotta now again, like I said, it's, it's not the worst contract in the world. It, and Jack Hughes is on, in my opinion, like according to comps and stuff. Like I would take Jack Hughes over Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. So like he's making less money than he should. So like they they took discounts and stuff. But I just feel like I just feel like Brad's someone you could have replaced, and to give him an eight year deal at that price is. It's just a little high. Sometimes you got to take the loss on the player and try to replace them and go cheaper routes and fix some of your other issues in your roster. And also, too, we didn't even mention, they don't have a goaltender. Yeah. Like, yeah. they still haven't found their goalie, So, which was a big reason they lost in the playoffs. So I just feel like there's other things to fix on this team before you go signing just guys that put up some points in the season. Well, that's the thing to me. I would have said, we will not pay you more than we should. We will not. So you are going to either take six and a half or we're going to trade you. And the, or we'll sign you to, we'll give you 7.87, but it's only going to be for four years. And although, which that doesn't necessarily make sense for them because then they're not getting the long-term commitment from him. But I also feel like, but that's also a very tradable contract. Back. Yeah, I, mean, so, I, I would still do that. If like I would rather see that than the eight years. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, it is what it is. But thankfully, that's not my team. So, <laughs> but yeah, and I, I think which I don't. You mentioned Myers' contract. I believe if they qualify his rights, they have to sign him to over nine and a half million dollars, okay. unless they reach a contract by a certain period, and it still has it can be under a million dollars. So it can it has to be eight. Right. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I just I saw arbitration. That means he's getting what he he deserves. Or yeah. I'm doing air quotes mm-hmm. deserves because I don't think he he's gonna get more than what I think he deserves. But oh, absolutely, he, he his numbers don't lie. So that's what that's all arbitration looks at is numbers. So yeah, he's gonna get nine and a half to ten. That's what I see. I already I'm already expecting that. So if it comes in lower than that, that's gonna be huge. But it it, it probably won't. That Doug Wilson knew that he wasn't going to be signing that extension, so he said, "Don't care, just whatever happens. Whatever happens, it happens with it." And that just sucks. You, you just dated yourself. You just said Doug Wilson. My career's the GM, but Doug Wilson signed it. Oh, you mean the contract? The contract. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yes. I thought you meant the trade. I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm no. sorry. Yeah, no the the contract that he's coming off of was signed by Doug Wilson. Yeah, yeah, who yeah, yeah, knew yeah, yeah. he wasn't going to be there when Myers' next contract comes up. Gotcha. That that's what I was talking yeah. about. Okay, so, makes yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. So next up, we have the Damon Severson contract and trade. So he signs an eight-year contract at six point two five. So this, I believe, may be our first official sign and trade that we've seen in the NHL, which is kind of cool, I'll say. So you give me your thoughts first, and then I'll kind of say what I want to think, or say what I'm thinking, and wrap it up. It's funny. That's I feel like that's been rumored to happen so many times. I actually thought, I didn't know that until right now. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I 
it, the price seems a little high, but at the same time, I think Severson brings. I'm, I'm looking at their lineup right now, and I think he brings something to them that they didn't have. And Wierenski and Severson paired up together, Provorov and Andrew Peak and Gabranson and Boquist. It's pretty solid top six defenseman. Uh, but at the same time, Columbus, I don't have their cap friendly in front of me right now. I can get it up, but I feel like that's a lot of money on your top six. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it looks pretty solid. Columbus, I guess they're going for it. Like, not like they're going, they're trying to make a playoff run. They're trying to put pieces around what they've tried to build. So I don't, I don't know. I don't hate the deal. I really don't. Uh, would they give up third round pick? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Severson brings like things to Columbus that they didn't have. They don't have a Damon Severson on their team. I mean, he's not the greatest defenseman in the league, but I'm actually excited to see him on this team. Because I think his his time was just up in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one Devils game I went to this year, the guy next to me hated Damon Severson. <laughs> <laughs> but every every fan base has that one player that they just attack. So he uh, he he needed to get out of Jersey. That's my point in saying that he. I think he fits this team really well. I do. If I'm them, I mean, contract seems a little high to me, but. At the same time, I did read a couple articles earlier that he was he was on the top of a lot of people's UFA lists this year. So I think he was. I think a lot of teams did want him. So Columbus just going and taking care of business and getting him locked up. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I do. I like the trade. The, I do think that the the value at the value is a little high to me. I have him marked as like a five million dollar guy, but I think that, and that's what I think. The Columbus was smart in having the devil sign him. They get that extra year, which I think that realistically, if he goes to the free free market, I think he's probably getting seven and a half because it's over seven years. So I think that that kind of worked in their favor. But I'm not, I'm not huge on the cap hit. But I also look at in three years, Branson comes off and he's making four million dollars, and I think that that will help. Which realistically, they're going to trade him before that contract up anyway because they're not going to be able to keep him because you now have. Severson, Peak, and Boquist. And you also have Blankenberg, who's another right shot defenseman, who played very well this year with Wierenski down. So where does the playing time come from? So I think that, and I don't know if I mentioned Peak, but which there's rumors that they're going to trade Peak too, but which I think Peak will be much more valuable. But I think that, well, again, it, it kind of, I mean, it really depends on so I do I like it I like the the fact that they they went all in kind of thing and they're really trying to make this into a playoff team again but I'm also a little bit concerned that that's where which to be fair they're not they're certainly not done yet but it their center position is like a gaping black hole and yet they're like oh let me go acquire two defensemen uh hey that that thing in the middle the one that takes face offs yeah that person's pretty important too and I was wrong. Matthew Kachuk was the first true sign and trade in the NHL, which I didn't realize. I thought that Florida signed that contract. I thought it was like a handshake. They knew he was coming. They knew he was getting that money. Everybody knew, but they waited till he was in there. But no, Brad Trevelevin, Trevelevin 
sign that contract. So it was that was also true signing trade. So pretty cool. I think it's cool to see that because I think that it would be cool to see some more of those because I think it makes sense. And it's something that I'm wondering if Boston does go, hmm, hey, we'll do that with Dmitry Orlov. Yeah. Something like that. So, yeah. All right. So to wrap up the podcast today, we have a listener question. So from Mr. Joey Frick, we have a question about one Dylan Ikes. So which ironically, Joey, I know his stepfather pretty well because I play hockey with him. So I can't say to answer. So Joey's question was, he coaches for Daniel Boone High School. He coaches their lacrosse. He Dylan played lacrosse, so Joey knows him. He also plays ice hockey. He's a very good ice hockey player. He's wondering if the hype is real or if he's overrated. So to answer your question, I don't know. So I have watched Dylan play once, and that was in a roller hockey tournament. So I've never seen him play ice. He plays on a very good Philadelphia Revolution AAA team, which is a good program. So he's pretty good, and I know he's got a bunch of offers and stuff like that that he's going to this summer trying to figure out where he's playing next year. But I I don't know enough about the local ice hockey leagues to know or the scene to know exactly what's going on there to say, oh, he's going to be – he'll be an NCAA D1 player or he'll be an NCAA D3 player or I, I don't know enough to know that. I don't think he's going to get drafted simply on the – at least this year, next year, because he's in 06. I don't think he'll get drafted next year simply on the fact that you rarely see people. Like, normally they're playing juniors already. Like, they're the year before they get drafted and their draft year, they're, get, they're playing juniors somewhere. He's not playing juniors yet. So I would be surprised if he gets drafted. But, I again, I don't, I don't want to – say anything bad because I really don't know and I've never watched him play ice and only ever watched him play roller and he was solid at roller but he doesn't really play roller that much so that was the um, that was the, the one part of his question and then uh, the other part of his question was about the local prospects coming up for this draft so again not real familiar with the local like ice hockey who's getting drafted who's in that area kind of thing who's where Looking at what I can figure out from the Philadelphia general area, it doesn't look like we have any 05 prospects who are going to be making a, a stab at, at getting drafted this year. So I don't think there is any at the moment. So it's something I'll do a little bit more research on, and, and I'll get back to you on that one, Joey. But thank you very much for your question. And uh, Kyle, you want to add anything to that? This Joey's just so adorable. I love how he just throws out a nice little question for you to answer because I had known nothing about it. So I was glad you were able to give that spiel because he asked me about it. I'm just like, I don't know. Ask Matt. So he threw it on there. Uh, I just think it's funny how he asked me about a random high school student that I happen to know. That, like, that's crazy. What are the chances of that? So, and again, not somebody, I mean, I don't know him personally. I just know his stepdad. So who's a great person. Great yeah, person. According to him, apparently he's a great lacrosse player too. They really missed him when he got he wasn't able to play because of hockey. So, yeah, I, we're all cheering for him. That's for sure. I would love to see a local kid get that opportunity. So, yeah, I'm oh, definitely cheering for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love to see it. So, anything else you want to add before we move on? I totally forgot. Uh, 
couple weeks ago about the world championships ending just totally <laughs> forgot to keep bringing it up uh poor us usa decided to just blow it and not even win a medal after it was all said and done but stupid canada ended up winning gold that sucked but germany ended up getting silver which is awesome and mm-hmm. latvia ended up beating the u.s in overtime for bronze so wow. first ever medal it was pretty cool i mean honestly like i was watching the game and i was just like come on like I was. I started to cheer for Latvia. Like by by the end of the third period, I'm like, all right, just go win your medal because this will mean a lot more to you than than the 32 Americans that are watching this game right now. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was awesome though. Um, yeah, no, I'm pretty much locked up. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool to see that some of the smaller countries have been stuff at, at different things. Especially a tournament like that, I think it's cool. It, it's their time to shine. It's their chance. I mean, if they play in the, like the Olympics or anything, like they're not winning that game, but it's awesome. Like, I, and it means a lot to them, and it means a lot to the countries too. I think it's a good growth for the game. I see in Germany in another like gold medal game. Like Germany's been a pretty competitive team in these international tournaments, and you notice it in the World Juniors more than anything because you know these teams win makes kids want to play hockey. They go play hockey. Next thing you know. World Junior Team's competitive because you find more talent. The more you have, you're going to find talent. So I, I think it's awesome for the growth of games and especially those like smaller countries. And I mean, I feel like we have more NHLers from those smaller countries than we ever have. So, and it all stems from these tournaments, in my opinion. So I think that that's one of the reasons I love that tournament because it just grows the game so much. And it means a lot more over there than it does here because all their leagues are done. Unfortunately, the NHL is still in the playoffs, so it's just bad timing for it. But uh, I, I think it's just cool to see countries like that win, and they even like threw a parade and everything for them. So like it was cool. It was it good for them. Love it. Love to see it. And yeah, I absolutely agree about this, the growth of the sport. I love to see the sport grow. Doesn't matter how it happens. Just love to see it. So, all right. Well, this has been the latest update from Glassbones Hockey podcast so thank you all for listening again you can like us subscribe you can give us a rating on spotify that's all great we appreciate it you can give us questions we'd love to answer any questions you guys have and we appreciate all you out there that are listening to us ramble on and on about hockey and talk about how much we love taco bell and we just appreciate all the help and support and we love all of you guys and we're looking forward to making more content so thank you all for being here